Welcome to the Innovation in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month, we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now, here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the program. My guest today is Adilson Jardim, the Area Vice President for Splunk Public Sector Sales Engineering. Adilson, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jason. Before we get started, let me set some context for our discussion today. The federal government is almost seven years into its digital transformation journey. We got to go back to uh, Vivek Kundra, the first federal CIO, when he announced his 25-point IT reform plan, and the move to the cloud was really at the center of that effort. Since then, there's been a litany of policies, best practices, guides, workshops, conferences, and the like to help agencies along on this journey. Over the last seven years, we've seen a lot of successes, like moving email and collaboration tools to the cloud. We've also seen some struggles, what seems like a constant set of fits and starts around, for instance, data center consolidation. The Federal IT Acquisition Reform Act, or FATARA scorecard, is probably one of the best measures of this mixed success of agencies. The agencies who have earned green scores in areas such as project oversight, agile development, and even CIO authorities tend to be the ones that are further along in the digital transformation journey. Those with the red scores, well, they're still potentially staying buried under legacy IT. As IDC Government Insights said in a 2016 blog post about digital transformation, agencies are facing a fork in the road, stay with their legacy IT, or move into what they called a greenfield initiative. IDC says digital transformation efforts should focus on return on investment, and the decision to modernize must understand all the factors, including potential savings, improved system reliability, and the impact on citizens and customers. The problem is agencies tend not to have all these data points causing them to face paralysis by analysis. So how can agencies find confidence in the decision to transform? That's where we turn to Adilson Jardine, the Area Vice President for Splunk Public Sector Sales Engineering. Adilson, again, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you, Jason. It's great to be here. I appreciate the opportunity. Let's talk about this digital transformation journey. Splunk recently did a survey looking at some of these and just fascinating results about where agencies feel they are in this journey. First, uh, give us a little bit of background about the survey itself. We sponsored this survey conducted by our uh, friends at Poneman Institute. And the premise of the survey was really for us to get a better understanding of the IT operations digital transformation journey that our customers are are embarking on and, and in many cases, to your point earlier, have either struggled and had varying degrees of success on. So the way we structured the intent of the survey was to really understand where are these obstacles to either that digital transformation uptake or migration, operational uh, visibility and intelligence across these environments. We surveyed uh, the respondents, really the pool of respondents totaled over 1,200. And of those, the breakup predominantly around 70% was federal aerospace and defense customers and uh, a, a very significant footprint of state and local customers as well, higher education. So we felt like we got a, a statistically reasonable representation of the public sector space. One thing about that is it's, it's an interesting mix because state and locals have been sometimes behind mm -hmm. and you would think that the aerospace defense would be ahead. So right. it's an interesting mix what you got. So let's go through some of the results. And that's a great observation. One would think, and I think the, the predominant perspective is state and local will be lagging behind a little bit, et cetera. So, so absolutely spot on there. What we did find though, probably contradicted that just a bit. Which is always good news. Exactly. I, mean, so I, I, I what, think the silver lining is there. Exactly, for sure. go yeah, ahead. Yeah. So, so let's talk a little about what we found. So the predominant indicators, and this, this applied to the, the respondents in general, regardless of, of the mix, was that many of them, over 72% of, of the population of the respondents, are really still struggling with a lack of visibility across their IT operations. Environments are still significantly siloed. 
And when you think of that, that significance, that number of, of over 70% still struggling with that, all of the downstream impacts of digital transformation are now affected by that. So we found that digital transformation is very much happening. It's in effect. The transformations are moving. Part of the survey conducted, uh, respondents responded to a lot of these types of what, what categories of systems are we talking about? So to your point earlier about the IDC survey, we did see successes with email and similar types of systems, administrative systems, but we also found that a lot of these customers have been moving back office ERP, H, HR systems as well, in addition to, and this was really one of the significant findings for us, in addition to trying to evaluate new applications, mission critical applications, and folding in DevOps, which I'm happy to talk about a little bit later as well. One of the things that stood out for me as, as I looked at this was that lack of visibility and these continued silos of these systems also had another consequence that we saw, and that was that over 70% of the respondents, again, had very, very little confidence in their ability to triage and respond to incidents across these environments. That's fascinating. I know Splunk, generally speaking, when I think of Splunk, mm -hmm. I think of you guys as a cyber firm, but right. obviously you do a lot more than that. But that must be very worrisome as a cybersecurity firm that says when they get attacked and they will get attacked, what do, how, do, how do they deal with it? Absolutely. You're absolutely right to pick up on that. I think as it relates to especially our federal customers, we certainly have the cyber pedigree and that's, that's how most customers will relate back to what Splunk does. But in effect, what, where we started, the genesis of Splunk was really around log aggregation and IT operations. So this is bread and butter for us. This is really going back to the roots of why Splunk exists in the first place. So a lot of these, the, the data points here were leading indicators for our, our qualifications in IT operations as well. But going back to what you said about cyber, one of the other reflections in the survey was that a significant portion, well, almost 70% again, didn't see the need or, or the convergence of IT operations and security operations in the near future. So as a company with significant capability in both cyber and IT operations, that stood out quite significantly for us. So from our perspective, when we think of the IT data and the machine data that we're talking about in these systems that enables both a cyber mission and cyber readiness, as well as IT operations responsiveness, it seems surprising that most of our customers are not seeing the need to converge those two operations based on the same visibility and operational data that we're talking about. Do you get a sense, did they, were they able to tell you why they didn't see that? Was, was, did they have the ability to comment or give you guys comments? In this survey, no. We didn't dig deeply into why they didn't see that. But going back and reflecting on the silos of operations, some of the, the responses correlate back to, I think the premise of this is both the systems are siloed, but so are the operational teams. So if you've got an operational team that's responsible for a system, they might not be responsible for the cybersecurity or the network security of that. And the way we look at this type of operational data and machine data, they're all related. So if I'm looking at a, a login storm at the edge of my network, that might very well be a denial of service attack, or it might just be a lot of people logging in. Both the operations team, the network team, the security team would benefit from having that visibility into that data and what's happening. It's interesting you bring this up. I, I had a discussion just recently with a CIO who actually is combining their network team and their op security team into one operation center. Yeah. And part of the reason is because of the drive to the cloud, because all of a sudden, when you had these silos, 
Yes. You needed, well, maybe you didn't need it, but many people developed this idea of a separate network operation center and a right. separate security, but but the cloud changes that. Was that one of the questions you asked, or did you guys go into that in any detail in terms of where does the cloud fit into your current and future vision of both network and security operations? Not quite in the way you described it, but let's pull on that thread a little bit. What we did find out from the survey is the migrations to the cloud have definitely challenged customers. So part of this creation of silos is this movement to the cloud as well. So we've in essence introduced new silos and the respondents by and large, a, a significant amount, again, we're talking in the above 65% zone into the 70s again for these different types of challenges. That lack of visibility, the, the lack of integration across the silos and the transformation to the cloud has introduced this risk and the lack of confidence that they're able to maintain IT operations and security across those environments. In addition to that, we found that some of the other indicators that, that the respondents came back with, many of the customers didn't feel that they had the skill set or the workforce to enable this digital transformation. And that relates back to the, the security problem as well. If we cannot do that with IT modernization and digital transformation, they're not going to be able to affirm their cybersecurity posture either. And, and we see that in the responses of the survey. The skill set piece is so often mm -hmm. overlooked in terms of the importance of having the right people. And it's not, hey, can you code or can you do DevOps or can right. you do, you know, develop APIs, but it's more of a, do you understand the, the, how the pieces fit together right. and then create that, that vision of what the digital transformation looks like? I think that that's where the struggle is happening. And I think my guess here, and you tell me if you're seeing this with some of your federal uh, clients, is that's where maybe that lack of confidence that you mentioned earlier on is coming from as well. Exactly. And, and I'll, I'll, if we explore that a little bit more and we think about workforce, different technologies, the introduction of digital transformation, all of those are, are related and correlate back to this, this really the, the lack of, of the ability to, to influence these IT operations and manage them. So some of the things we found, which are really startling when, when I talk about numbers, we averaged out in terms of incident response, and I'm not referring to cyber incident response, but IT operational incident response. And when polling the customers around how long do they spend in, in a, let, let's take a situation like downtime and outage, how many hours does it take to recover from that? And we saw the spread of a few hours all the way to days. And we averaged that out to roughly 44 hours is the average time for an outage with 12 and a half people responding to the recovery effort, relating back to roughly 550 hours. That was the average we came up with from the respondents on this. So if I translate that to monetary terms, if I took a, a number of $100 an hour, right, we're looking at around 55,000 per incident. If we take a more reasonable number, a fully loaded number of $150 an hour, we're looking at over 80,000 per incident. That was uh, fascinating to me, 44 hours on average. Now, it's an average, so we know some people are less, a lot of people yep. more. But how can any business, how can any organization, public sector, private sector, be down for 44 hours? That stood out significantly. And then, and then we've got to relate that back, as you pointed out. How do more advanced commercial entities do this and even more advanced government entities do this, right? That There is a, a broad spectrum. But on the higher end of that spectrum, in terms of performance, we see organizations that are able to respond between two and four hours to, to an outage. That's a 10 to 20x improvement over that and savings over that. And some of those customers that, that we work with and we've seen those types of numbers and we can relate that and correlate that type of performance back to these averages of 44 hours of downtime. And that's two days of, of 
an outage downtime, right? And 12 and a half people, 550 man hours. That's a, an inordinate amount of spend where you're basically getting systems lumping along. Is there an answer to that issue? Is, is there something, you know, without, you know, agencies having to spend tens of millions of dollars on redoing their system? Yep. Is that something you, you as, a, as a vendor, as someone who focuses on the network side and the security side, say automation, orchestration, all the buzzwords that we're right. hearing about cyber could help take those 44 hours down to 20 hours to 10 hours to two to four hours? Yes. I think there are a couple of other things we we understood a little bit better from the survey. Similarly, a little surprising when, when I saw those results. So we found that a significant portion of, of the respondents were actually dedicating more budget or expected anticipating more budget to go to DevOps. And when you think of DevOps as, as a new paradigm in the agile framework, right, in terms of both agile software development, but also really more of a, a portfolio management and organizational management of saying, let's connect developers to operational stuff and even to security so that the life cycle of how applications are deployed, managed, and supported is is more aligned, right? And we saw more respondents diverting some of that budget to developing better DevOps. So I think that will significantly help. And from our perspective at, at Splunk, we see one of the inhibitors continuing to be this, this notion of silos. And the other notion is we still see a lot of emphasis on systems versus services. So I see lots of servers out there, but I don't see a relation to services. So when I think of a mission critical s system or a citizen facing system, I wanna think of that as a service. I don't wanna think of that as a list of PCs and servers that are hosting specific software. I wanna think of that as a service to a citizen. And from our perspective, all of that data now relates to whether it's security for that service, uptime for that service, availability, as well as what is my development lifecycle, DevOps to, to production lifecycle that I can improve. And that then includes whether that asset or service resides in the cloud, whether there are microservices in the cloud, whether the infrastructure is on-prem or cloud. And we've, we've helped customers do that, not just monitor and, and evaluate where those systems are, regardless of, of the deployment architecture, but be able to correlate that visibility back to a service. So now I'm thinking of my licensing or registration service, citizen service, is up X percent of time versus, oh, we had some systems go down, and I don't know how that relates to a licensing service or a permitting service that is citizen-facing. The point you make about moving toward DevOps, and I'm seeing this within the agencies of bringing those, all those pieces and parts together, I think you're absolutely right. That's going to take away, it's going to reduce the amount of downtime because it's going to be smaller. Even microservices, I'm starting to hear a lot right. about. So uh, a lot to talk about. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we can uh, jump into the survey a little deeper. You're listening to Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. Public sector organizations are feeling the pain of digital transformation. Even with monitoring, existing tools are ineffective at pinpointing issues because they do not offer end-to-end -end visibility. Splunk-sponsored research conducted by the Poneman Institute revealed that despite the rising complexity of IT, decision-makers see promise in DevOps to help achieve future mission success. 
to download the IT Modernization Report on challenges and trends in public sector IT operations, visit splunk.com slash IT Survey 2017. Tune in on Tuesdays at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. for the Innovation in Government show sponsored by Kerasoft. Learn from industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Innovation in Government examines a wide range of topics and evaluates their payoff. Cybersecurity, big data, mobility, cloud computing, and more. Innovation in Government, Tuesdays at 10.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m. Search Innovation in Government. Welcome back. You're listening to Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 a.m. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Adilson Jardine, the Area Vice President for Splunk Public Sector Sales Engineering. Now, Dielson, before break, we were talking about the survey that you guys did with the Ponemon Institute. Uh, several th- interesting things that came out of it. We've seen this digital transformation and, and some of the roadblocks or struggles agencies are having. One of the good things I think that came out of the survey, and there's plenty in there, I mean, it's a huge survey, is this idea of machine learning and artificial intelligence. And I'm seeing that whenever I talk to CIOs in the federal government, that comes up time and again. How can we make better use of AI? How can we take the advantages that machine learning gives us to deal with data or whatever the process is, better citizen services. Talk about what you guys heard about machine learning and AI. What we did find in those responses were, just as we reflected on the DevOps a little earlier before the break, we found that most of the respondents were starting to evaluate whether they could leverage machine learning to solve a couple of interesting problems. So we spoke earlier about the silos, we spoke about workforce, and, and also some of the, the way IT outage response processes work and in fact are lacking in, in some of these respondents. And the other aspect where machine learning starts to filter into to the future vision for these customers and what they're considering was how could they take machine learning and reduce a lot of the event management issues that they're experiencing. So most of the respondents responded that they're using event monitoring tools, capacity, et cetera. So really what we consider that legacy monitoring type of, of infrastructure. And if you've got all these systems in silos that we described, the event monitoring is doing nothing other than creating an inordinate number of alarms leading to this alarm fatigue problem. So you've got folks that are not really responding because it's really difficult to sift through all of these alarms and and events that are are popping up and make a, a determination of what to do with that, how to respond to that, how does that filter into the process. So where does machine learning come in? It's how do you cluster these types of events and add event analytics instead of event monitoring to reduce the false positives and then to to look for trends. And the trends will determine how best to respond to what's going on versus individual event alarms throughout the infrastructure that we've already discovered is siloed and and disparate and different teams, et cetera. It's interesting you talk about the alarm fatigue and I wanna go down that path, but before I do that, let me talk a little bit more about machine learning. Generally speaking, did you get a sense that the respondents were comfortable with artificial intelligence and machine learning? We didn't explore it to that level. I like to draw a particular distinction between machine learning and AI, both in terms of a spectrum of capability as well as the narrowness of what we're trying to achieve. So for machine learning, it's it's a very narrow application of trying to take statistical and probabilistic methods and cluster things together to see if there's a trend or a pattern versus AI where we're, we're probably baking in some automated responsiveness and remediation. So there's, there's a spectrum of what we're looking for there. 
And I didn't get the sense from the respondents, although we didn't really explore this in, in the survey very well, I didn't get the sense, though, that we're looking at customers trying to implement it themselves. What they're looking for is the technology companies and, and vendors to apply machine learning to solve this problem or reduce this, this really challenging alarm fatigue aspect of their business. Interesting, because I think there's a lot of hope for it, but there's also, I think, a lot of fear around what does this mean? We, we all remember the Terminator movie, the, yep. the rise of Skynet, and it's fun to talk about, but I think people, there's some some serious fear on that. Let's go back to this idea of event management. You know, one of the things that, you know, when we've talked about the silos and you have legacy IT over here and you got an event management piece of software on that, and then you have another silo and then you implement the cloud and that, that comes with event management. Where is that all going to, to understand really your true nature, your true posture of your security, of your network? You mentioned Fatara earlier on and putting myself in the shoes of a CIO. And, and let's talk a little about the, the makeup of the respondents. So we, we spoke about the types of customers. In this particular survey, we actually leveled up a little bit who we were seeking these responses from. So the predominant respondents were managers, directors, CIOs, and, and VPs. So we were really looking for what is the executive view of what's going on. And so that informed us a lot in terms of how that level of leadership is looking at the same problem. So to your point, at the CIO level or the, the departmental level, I'm looking for a combined posture of what's going on in my operations. I'm not responsible for just a set of servers or maybe one application. I'm responsible for a whole group of, of applications or mission delivery. So if I've got silos and now I've got this digital transformation to the cloud, I've got new services coming online in the cloud, I would like to have a line of sight across all of these services and applications to determine not just my operational readiness, but my cyber posture. So backing this into Fatara and the cybersecurity executive order, for example, how would I give you a combined posture if I don't personally have line of sight across these different systems? Do you get a sense that agencies are moving toward that line of sight? The continuous diagnostics mitigation program, mm -hmm. something that I've uh, worked on quite a bit, talked to Splunk about in the past. Yep. You guys are, are heavily involved in that CDM program from DHS. That is trying to give agencies a line of sight from a cyber perspective. Are you starting to see that with customers? Yes, we are. So from our perspective at Splunk, we've helped a number of customers really enable this digital transformation. So the city of LA is a great example where we've gone from a lot of on-premise systems and, and help them move to security in the cloud, IT operations in the cloud, uh, even threat sharing with 40 different agencies that they do, 40 plus agencies. And, and when you think of it as a city, from the federal perspective, sometimes we overlook the state and local complexity. And you mentioned this earlier, we tend to assume that they're dragging behind, but when you take a city like LA with 4 million residents, it's a huge infrastructure. It's a, it's a huge undertaking. Uh, we did a similar thing with the state of Texas, where providing that visibility of eGov services across the state, readiness, availability to citizens, et cetera, that gives a, a singular view, a single pane of glass of what that operational readiness for those applications delivering eGov services look like. So we're seeing that trend where agencies cannot keep spending money in silos any longer. Thus, aspects like Fatara, like CDM, where you cannot have a piecemeal implementation any longer because the digital transformation has forced so many assets into different infrastructure layers, you have to combine that visibility. Otherwise, you don't get that line of sight. And this also leads us down the path toward risk. We've seen risk from a digital transformation perspective, which 
systems need the most help soonest. That's a risk. Right. So where does the risk thing follow on from this single pane of glass, this idea of machine learning? Connect all those dots. When I think of risk, if I look at the respondents at, at that VPCIO level, and I consider what they're trying to achieve, whether it's operational readiness, mission delivery, citizen services, how do we get to a level where we can assure them that they actually understand what that readiness and posture looks like? So whether it's spend and FATAR managing spend and, and uh, the, the related value of that spend, whether it's cybersecurity, if I don't know how many systems, what their, their readiness level is, what their availability level is, how can I guarantee and assure a security posture against those? All of that's related to that risk element where I'm not able to score what kind of availability I have across these services. So cybersecurity is is simply going to relate back to what my availability level looks like, right? And then everything that's downstream, privacy, et cetera, is all going to be related to what kind of access I've provided there and or not, right, within the system framework. Did the risk of digital transformation come up in the survey? I mean, people say, well, moving off legacy, I know I have to do it, yeah. but yes. there's a big risk to do that because what if I don't have the money? What if I don't have the skill sets? What if, what if, what if? Yeah. Did that come through? It sure did. So we had a significant number of respondents that were concerned about the cloud migrations. So well over 60% had concerns about the ability to migrate to the cloud. And that related back to a, a lack of, of skills. It related back to this availability, IT outages. Uh, even some of the data center modernization uh, aspects came up in the survey. So it's not just that cloud is, is creating more of this aspect in, in terms of digital transformation, but agencies are challenged with how to move to the cloud in many cases and what to move to the cloud. And do you think that comes back from a lack of understanding or is it just overwhelming? What do I do with all this information and this data, all these challenged legacy systems? Where do I start? The low hanging fruit we love to talk about, but that's been picked yep. for the most part. I agree. The basic services have been picked to your point. I, I do agree that some of it is asset management. What do I have? So if I don't have a single pane list to understand what those assets look like and, and their availability and readiness, that's going to be more difficult to plan a migration to the cloud. Uh, skill sets do come in. I think the, the preponderance of different technologies, and I think that's where the DevOps trend started to reflect. So how do I get developers more tied into operations, more tied into the delivery mechanism in the cloud? so that that line of sight exists from a development path all the way to a production path as well. Right? So all of those, I think, are correlated back to what do we have and how do we migrate it over there and support it once it's in the cloud. And I think that's why agencies have been so quick to jump in the DevOps world. I mean, if you think about Waterfall, this, the concept of Waterfall has been around for so long. It's always been done this way. Right. I'm sure you guys hear that once in a while. But I've been very surprised and impressed by how quickly the government has jumped into DevOps is in, in many ways is DevOps not the answer, but a really good answer, one of many to this digital transformation journey? Certainly from the Splunk perspective, we've invested a lot in how would we get DevOps operational. Even internally, we've implemented DevOps as a methodology, right? So we have agile development, but DevOps in terms of how we leverage our own cloud services. So we have back office functions that are entirely in the cloud, for example, and we need visibility into everything from the availability of those services to how they're running to how much we're consuming. So we've implemented that and seen the results of why that matters. But to your point, it's been surprising how much of the public sector customers have started to adopt not just agile development, but this DevOps framework to say, well, 
there's only one way we can manage the complexity of this digital transformation. And waterfall doesn't work any longer. It works in that silo, works well in the silo. It's not agile enough. It's not responsive enough. So we, we see customers that are working with a number of different DevOps uh, uh, frameworks, for example, that have reduced their time and are able to deliver updates on an hourly basis to, to applications and services. So I don't think, certainly from the public sector perspective, I don't think we need to move to that really urgently. But if commercial entities are able to affect that level of cadence, we should be considering how that implements it against mission-critical systems as well. Very nice. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. I'd like to thank my guest, Adilson Jardim, the Area Vice President for Splunk Public Sector Sales Engineering. Adilson, thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you, Jason. My pleasure. I've been your host, Jason Miller. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search innovation. Thank you for listening to the Innovation in Government Show, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. The entire discussion can be found on demand at Federal News Radio, keyword innovation.